You are listening to a podcast of The View, where we discuss today's topics from an anti-racist, anti-oppressive, multicultural perspective. This podcast is brought to you by the Church of the Larger Fellowship. To subscribe, visit questformeaning.org or search for Church of the Larger Fellowship in the iTunes Store. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The View from the Church of the Larger Fellowship. I am Christina Rivera, and I am so excited to have um, a big panel for us today. We'll introduce our guests in just a few moments, um, and we will be talking about a business resolution, hopefully coming to a general assembly near you (laughs) this year in Providence, uh, titled Embodying Human Rights and Investment Decisions. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to give our co-hosts an opportunity to invest and introduce themselves. I'm coming to you here from Charlottesville, Virginia, where it is just a beautiful, gorgeous day that feels like spring has already sprung. And I just know it, it just means that we're about to get walloped with, with some kind of winter event very soon, just to uh, put us in our place. <laughs> Michael, how are you doing? Good morning, Christina. I am joining you this morning from beautiful Mount Kisco, New York, from my office here at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Northern Westchester. Um, it is a beautiful, bright, clear winter day here in New York, and I'm doing okay. I have been, um, if you notice piles of things behind me, um, spending the last three days doing spring cleaning here in the offices at our congregation. Um, and uh, the other day, the religious exploration ministry team was meeting outside of my office in a little sitting area, and I was just p- carrying out piles of of trash, and they just went, that all was in that office? It was like a clown car. So we've decided that my office is a TARDIS, and that it transports um, piles of garbage to alternate universes and brings them back at non-opportune times. So life is okay. Meg Riley, how are you? Well, I will say it is bright and sunny here in the Twin Cities. I think Paige and I are sharing this lovely experience. It's negative five right now here. And I think the high today is something like nothing. You know, it's, it, we're, we're into the depth of winter. And I'm really happy to work from home. I have not been out yet. and I don't look forward to it. So uh, there are times when technology is definitely my friend with the weather. It's great to be here. Great to see everyone. Antonia, who is usually doing tech, is out at Meadville, along with all the other Meadville students. Shout out to all of you learning. We can't wait to hear what you learn. And uh, today, Lori Stonsertoski is doing tech. Hey, Lori. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm here from Phoenix today on an uncharacteristic gray day in the wintertime. Uh, looking out at my balcony, seeing again some more hummingbirds. I'm loving that. Uh, I am on Twitter today and a little bit on Facebook, but mostly where we are now is YouTube. So that's where you can join us. I've I've put links out in our other channels so you can come over to YouTube and join the conversation. And I will make sure that your comments and questions get to our panelists and and guests. So uh, just join us and uh, tweet on hashtag TheView, T-H-E-V-U-U. 
Thanks. And we usually do a little bit of a UU wrap up um, here at the beginning of the view. And um, we didn't prep one today, but I will mention that I saw a lot of um, my Facebook feed yesterday with Unitarian Universalists um, uh, standing up for trans rights with the transphobia is sin um, hashtag and shouting out to trans people as divine. And that was really, really um, wonderful and affirming. And, you know, if, if anybody has interest in learning more about that, just search the hashtag transphobia is a sin and you'll see lots of things. Um, yesterday was the second anniversary of that um, social media campaign and it just was really gratifying to see that. And I'll also say that um, that, that kind of work is not work that we can just do once a year. Like in order to be doing it with integrity and to be doing it um, in community, we actually need to be doing it with integrity and in community. So that looks, to me, that looks like, you know, making sure that I'm aware of my local trans community and their needs and amplifying their voices. Um, but that can look differently to you. Um, but it just needs to look like something um, other than just that one day. So anybody else have any things that they saw in, in their UU universe this week? Yeah, I'll say um, a number of months ago now, we had um, a show that featured uh, folks from the UU uh, Ministers Association talking about proposed new guidelines, ethics and accountability guidelines for, for Unitarian Universalist ministers. And um, those uh, proposed guidelines got put last year into a one-year study process that, that most chapters of Unitarian Universalist ministers are now engaged in. So just wanted to shout out to the folks who were on the show um, who did those, but just to say that many of my colleagues and myself are um, engaged in that study and conversations about what it means to uh, to have power differentials in ministry uh, between ministers and between ministers and non-ordained folks, uh, especially uh, non-ordained religious professionals. Um, and th 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 at least the conversations that I was part of were really deep, good conversations that delved into anti-oppression work and how we hold ourselves accountable and, and how we hold ourselves accountable in, in relational ways and not punitive ways. It would, they were just really deep and good conversations. And so a shout out to the folks at the UUMA who put together the study guide and to everyone who's participating in those right now. And just to say that they're having webinars the rest of this month. Some of them are for particular uh, groups of people and some of them are open to all of ministers. And if you are a minister listening, get involved. Thanks for shouting that out, Michael. Thanks, everyone. Um, so I would love to introduce our guests today. Yay! We are so grateful to have Paige Ingram with us. Paige is a nomadic, Southern and Midwestern-based Black Muslim troublemaker and faith-rooted organizer and abolitionist. I love that. Um, Paige is a facilitator, trainer, and speaker, and collage artist. I've seen all of those in action, and it's amazing. Um, she earned a master's in Middle Eastern Studies from the University of Texas at Austin in 2015, and in her work addresses anti-Blackness, policing, gentrification, anti-immigrant rhetoric, 
and policies, as well as violence against women and non-binary people locally, as well as nationally, and connecting them to broader global liberation struggles. Thank you so much for being here, Paige. Uh, Katya Hansen is the president and CEO of UU RISE, which is the UU Refugee and Immigrant Services and Education, uh, which has a mission of advocating, advancing justice and human rights for immigrants and refugees. UU RISE is doing some really amazing work, y'all. Um, UU provides direct legal services and work with UUs and UU congregations around the U.S. to deepen and broaden their work on immigration justice. Katya has been with U-RISE since its final formation in 2007 and is thrilled to have a place where she can blend her education and experience and social work and law for a career that makes her heart sing. Thanks so much for being here, Katya. Matt Geckler is the president and founder of UU Peace Ministry Network, which is a 501c3. It's president of UU for Alternatives to the Deaf to the death penalty, also a 501c3, and member of the board of UUs of Southern Delaware. Thanks so much for being here. And Kurt Bell is a retired neuroscientist, I didn't know that, and a member of the First Unitarian Church in Portland, Oregon. He's born in the Middle East of American parents and is currently the president of the UU Unitarian Universalist for Justice in the Middle East organization. So thank you all so much for being here. Um, our regular viewers will know that it's unusual for us to have this many uh, panelists, which is kind of the point of the show today. Um, the um, the uh, business resolution that's being um, that's being um, advanced is called embodying human rights and investment decisions. And so I just wanted to give this group a chance to talk a little bit about what that is. Um, but then more importantly, we're going to have a discussion about how it came to be and why these different groups are on the view with us today talking about this one. So I don't know if one of you just wants to take us through, um, maybe Kurt, if you can take us through what the, what the business resolution actually is. Maybe I might uh, do that. I think I've been uh, uh, as involved as anyone, perhaps more so. So thank you very, very much for this opportunity to uh, share. I think this is a really um, valuable uh, business resolution for the social justice work of social justice groups within the UUA and really with the UU movement as a whole. That um, the uh, uh, we can get further into the history, but it, we began having discussions with different social justice groups, Black Lives UU, uh, Allies for Racial Equality, uh, the UU Peace Ministry Network, a few others, UUSC came in uh, also uh, about a year and a half ago with the investment people of the UUA, the uh, particularly um, Kathy Mulvey, the chair of the Socially Responsible Investment Committee, but also some other members of the Investment Committee itself and of the Socially Responsible Investment Committee participated in that. And uh, we had about three or four discussions over uh, up until uh, this past uh, spring, uh, early summer. And uh, more or less uh, agreed uh, on the idea of a uh, beginning a business resolution to enhance 
the uh, usefulness and use of uh, investment, uh, uh, divestment of shareholder activism, of community investing within the UU movement as a whole. And uh, the way we thought of this begin with is to um, call on the uh, UUA investment committees to uh, enhance their consideration of human rights issues in their uh, decisions about investments. And uh, this actually resonated with them. They were in the process of doing this themselves and uh, uh, to develop clearer guidelines and more explicit methods for uh, screening investments with regard to important human rights uh, issues. And uh, so that led to uh, uh, these, some of these fruitful discussions. And they are, I think it's very important to point out to everybody that the Socially Responsible Investment Committee of the UUA and the Investment Committee are in support of this uh, business resolution. They see it as something that can enhance and uh, develop and be useful to them. So. The resolution itself has uh, had two aspects. One is uh, to uh, uh, the UUA investment committees will uh, uh, refuse to invest in corporations that are egregiously violate uh, human rights and uh, will also be developing guidelines and screening methods for doing that for pointing out where human rights uh, violations are uh, impacted by the role of, of corporations in investment. So I just might add that this is a, uh, a major tool for social justice change that I think has, has not been as widely used among UU justice groups as, as it could be. And so that's part of the reason for this, this resolution that we all know of the role of divestment in the changes in South Africa, but there are many other examples too. Uh, shareholder activism, uh, I think recently had a, a very important uh, triumph or uh, result in that uh, uh, the uh, JP Morgan Chase Bank and the US Bank Corp and I think a few other banks agreed uh, following shareholder activism to no longer invest in uh, the building of private prisons and uh, ICE centers. So here we have a couple examples just of how uh, corporations are deeply, deeply involved, as we all know, in our world, and they impact uh, human rights uh, in many, many ways, in many, many areas. So it's important, I think, to use this tool. And secondly, uh, it's our really uh, in that we are supporting these things with our investments. It's a kind of a moral issue not to use our money, not to have our money used for purposes that we really don't support and don't don't are not in accord with our values. So just so, to, just for our um, yeah. our listeners and our uh, viewers, I want to highlight that what we're talking about is using this human rights lens for UUA investments. Yes. So the, the two groups that you mentioned, the two committees that, that you all are working with are the committees that are responsible for how 
the UUA in, invests our investments, which is largely um, our endowment, um, the Common Endowment Fund, as well as other investment tools that, that the UUA has. So, yeah. Um, so that people know, like, you know, is, is this congregational money? Well, some of it is because some congregations have their endowments in the Common Endowment Fund. Um, that's right. And so, you know, that's it, it is while it's specific to the UUA, this actually impacts all of our congregations potentially, you know, who have those commingled funds. So, Mac, can I ask you a question about the choice, uh, if you can speak to it or anybody else can speak to it, the choice between um, doing a business resolution as opposed to maybe an action of immediate witness or other tools? Um, that that could have been chosen to to bring this to the GA floor. Yeah, the importance of this is that uh, this is not this is much more than a statement of conscience, a statement of uh, values. This this uh, if you look at the UUA bylaws and so forth, you find that um, if a, if you are asking the UUA to do something, if you are in a sense, encumbering the UUA, calling on them to take some action, then that becomes uh, the format for doing that is a business resolution. Just so what we're talking about here is something very parallel to the the environmental people that had a, uh, a fossil fuel divestment resolu business resolution in 2014 that called on the UUA, which they did to. Uh, reduce uh, to shareholder activism level their investments in uh, fossil fuels. I just might make one more point about the business resolution. So the one part of it is this uh, calling on the UUA investment committees the, to uh, enhance their use of uh, human rights considerations in investment decisions and develop uh, guidelines and uh, mechanisms for doing that. And the second important part of it is to develop lines of communication between uh, UU social justice groups uh, and the UUA investment committees. Right now, I think uh, in general among UU social justice groups and maybe even UUs generally, there's relatively little understanding or knowledge of the activity of the UUA investment groups, but we, part of the resolution is to develop panels or means of communication so that the uh, uh, goals of the social justice groups can be can have some influence over decisions of the UUA investment committees. So that's the second important part. And thirdly uh, about it, I would say that if these things happen, if this resolution passes and gets attention of the delegates to the General Assembly, it could enhance broadly within the UU movement of UU congregations and UU organizations like the UUSC and even UU individuals to be a little more conscious and more active in using their uh, investment uh, uh, capabilities and their investment uh, uh, activism to uh, bring about the kind of changes that we want to see. So that, that, I, that's pretty much what I might say about this. I'll be glad to try to answer any questions. Um, so Paige, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, Black Lives of UU call to action on this? Because that's one of the ways I know that I um, first came to, to know about you know, this 
that this was happening and um, came across my screen and I was like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. And so if you can tell us a little bit, just like how Blue came to be involved in this and, um, and the call to action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you. So, so I really need to shout out um, my comrade Takia Amin, who has been holding down the, the partnership and really keeping the rest of the organizing collective in the know about what's going on asking for us to to give feedback on you know on drafts and like read through things and i think for blue what has been really dope from my perspective as an organizer is the fact that since we are such a new organization we've been like super intentional about like how we're spending our money and like what does that look like and um for you know software things that, that we are utilizing like where where is this from and what's going on and so i think it, it really does for for us seem like a very natural fit to um to really encourage people um because to me this is like a very people power thing yes we're talking about institutions but um for from my perspective and from the perspective of the organization um this is an opportunity for folks to understand more about um the inner workings of of our of our faith in some ways that um that we might not be as privy to um an opportunity for for individuals to um to feel like to feel empowered to make some decisions and have their voices be heard about like what what is feeling right and what is feeling in alignment blue just had a year last year that was you know totally dedicated around around theology um or as michael our reverend is really um honing in on is it this notion of biology so how are we embodying our beliefs and um and and part of that is how are we like uh, uh what what is a foundations for the ways in which we are organizing and coming together um and for a lot of folks and also not that might be a congregation or that's the association um and so we wanted to make sure that that our folks have an understanding of what's going on while also recognizing that for this process like the ask is for people in congregations to collect signatures in a very physical way um and a lot of our folks like may or may not be part of a congregation um and so what what is the role of the individual who identifies as a uu who is becoming more and more serious about um, interrogating the ways that, that they can live our values. How can we like, how can we put our money where our mouth is, literally. Um, and so we want to draft a call to action to not, not just for our folks, but just for the people, you know, throw something on Medium and like put it out there in the world and hopefully have folks like Christina and other people be like, hmm, what's going on with this? Let me click and check in. Let me understand about what the process is. Um, what are we investing in? What does this all mean? I might, I, for an organizer like me based out of Minneapolis, like um, I've been part of all sorts of different um, boycotts and divestment movements around like Standing Rock, for example, where folks were like, hey, we're not, we're not rolling with Wells Fargo anymore. We're not rolling with the US Bank anymore. How can we, like, this is something that's directly tied to people's everyday lives. 
people are really transforming their understandings about their relationship with money and recognizing the power that they have as consumers. Um, and so really this is about a larger faith conversation and it's also about what are the incremental ways that we can transform um, our communities um, through uh, our, our purchasing power. Um, so that's why we really want to throw down with this. That's why I put out the call to action um, and really, you know, still definitely asking, hey, if you want, collect some signatures, talk to some people. That's how we learn more about this. So, yep. I love it. Um, so Katya, what, how did you see, how did you rise come into the conversation? Um, good morning and thanks for uh, having me here. Um, you rise, I think we originally got the call and the email from Curtis Bell um, and asking us to participate, I think in part because of the work that we did um, for an action of immediate witness um, a couple of years ago and, and URISE was able to work with the uh, peace ministries and with the UU Justice in the Middle East about, um, uh, you know, looking at detentions and that detention centers and that was part of the broader conversation that people have been having is wanting to understand where their money goes. Um, and what I would say is that social justice activists often are saying, you know, how do we do this better? You know, exactly like, like Paige was explaining, how do we be intentional and mindful about where our money goes? But we don't always have the time and energy to be the ones that are trying to figure out where, um, where that is and how that works. It's easy when it's Halliburton, right? Or it's easy when it's, you know, something big. But what about Amazon? And what about Microsoft? Um, and what about, you know, GE Electric? And what about all of these other, um, all of these other companies that have multiple subsidiaries and do multiple things? Um, so we were so excited that the experts um, at the UUA and the social response socially responsible investing, um, we're excited about taking a look at this because what I learned in those initial conversations were that they were very interested in being more socially responsible and socially conscious, but being experts in banking and investing, they didn't necessarily have the same ability to articulate what some of the social justice challenges would be. So by bringing together um, the social justice organizations, and let us be the experts in the social justice side, experts, you know, I, there's a whole unpacking and problematic with that, but to shorthand it, the people who work um, consistently in social justice, um, let us, you know, provide that information and provide that connection and let the people who are in charge of the investing, and that's their area of expertise, bring that together rather than you know, trying to ask us to become the experts or asking them to become the experts. So it felt like such um, a perfect way to do justice work together, um, where we are playing on each other's strengths um, and where we're doing so mindfully, which allows for more mindful investing, more transparent investing. I know our congregation at Palomar UU and Vista is very excited to see what's going to come out of this. So it helps us. It helps inform the decisions that we will make. Um, and that's part of the goal is how do we make this a little bit easier for everyone? Yeah, I think 
I think that that marriage that you're talking about, that that collaboration between you know folks who know the business world and the investing world really, really well. And shout out to our investment committees and you know um, the the folks that have been doing shareholder investment um, advocacy in the UUA. Um, you know I, that has been a I think something that people don't know as much as they should, how the UUA has, has been, I was going to say, tried to make, make movements in those industries, but they've actually not just tried, they've succeeded. And, yeah, and I just have to mention Tim Brennan, the former absolutely. treasurer who just really did amazing uh, work and brought that into the UUA some time ago. And so it's really exciting to hear all of these groups working on this together. Yeah, and Tim's going to continue working, uh, doing shareholder investment um, in, in his kind of semi-retirement or whatever it is he's calling it. Um, but yeah, I just, the, the fact that that we finally realized we need to bring all of that, you know, together into the same place of people who, who understand um, that full investment side, but people who are, you know, actually doing work for liberation. So that's, that's just makes me so so happy so matt kepler what what has your group um what is it how it has this process felt like for you all we've um back in 2007 we were working on peacemaking as part of a study action item and as part of the core team we were trying to figure out what are we going to do to keep it going and that's how we got the peace mission network and it included a whole list of things we would do. It didn't specifically list this item, but I guarantee you it fits exactly what we do. Specifically, that came during the Iraq war. And basically, we are still concerned about war. Seems to be endless. And we're very concerned about companies who invest, companies we would invest in who are profiting from war, GE being one of them, because they make jet engines for war, war machines. So we really have been concerned about this, and Kurt and I have been talking about this for some years now. Uh, this is a serious issue, and that money in the joining endowment committee, excuse me, don't, the fund, is our money. We need to spend we need to use it wisely how we how we invest and that's what we're here about and yes this is a coalition of various groups who are involved in this um, and we've been talking about this on the exhibit hall floor for some years now and this is something we need to do and i'm glad we're finally getting to this point I am too. It's really um, exciting to see, you know, when we, when the co-host talked about this show, one of the things that, that we really wanted to um, talk about was the collaboration between the groups. Um, because I think in years past, we would have seen something like this come from one single group. Um, and when that happens, the, the lens that's used on you know the crafting of the of the business resolution or resolution or whatever it is tends to be you know narrow narrowly focused and um and so 
I think um, I think my question to Paige and to Katya um, are, you know, how does it feel to to have this done in a different way? I think just we can think back in years past, recent past, where we've seen resolutions come to the floor that have been very narrowly focused and um, and some of the pain uh, that that comes out of that um, when the discussions kind of erupt on the GA floor about that. Um, so I just ask, you know, what, how does this feel different? Well, I'm happy to, I'm happy to chime in like as a, as a person who is still like very new to this community and um, like learning the processes and also who has like worked every single GA and like not really known like the business thing that's been going on. So like, for me, it really like the experience feels like this is what it it's like, how, how could anything else actually be possible? Um, and also recognizing and honoring that like that hurt. Um, and uh, it just reinforces, I think for, for, for blue, I can only speak for, um, is like the importance of coalition building in the, in a meaningful way, right? So there there's a distinction between um, at the eleventh hour asking somebody to sign for something versus saying this is my idea. I've been thinking about this. I I, I want to collaborate. I don't have ownership over this. Let's like let's roll up our sleeves and work together. And so this is. I, I'm hoping that this is just a model of what's possible for folks. I'm hoping that 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 people that like myself and like others who are, um, I think, coming into uh, a UU world with a lowercase w that is different and that is that that is feeling more in alignment with with what what we know we believe in and so that's the exciting part um about this collaboration is and also to be like this is not blue coming in and being like well, let me just tell like let me tell y'all about the black issues right that 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 we're coming in with an understanding that this that that we're talking about human rights across the board that that we're talking about that so many of these of these issues it, it, are are all intersecting around around blackness um and that we're not being asked to be a token organization or a representation of of the black voice or the black experience because i i feel like i'm always saying this and i always will that like no group is a monolith and so Yes, this is something that's collaborative, but also I think it's important to kind of discuss the inner workings of what, like, what is ideal collaboration and like, what can we learn? And then how can we continue to improve and, and be better and let other people in on what worked and what didn't. So I'm excited about that and um, excited about really Kurt taking an hour of, of his time just yesterday to be like, hey, so what do you think? Um, that like that that feels very meaningful. So yeah, I would um, piggyback on that and say that you know Mac alluded to it earlier when he said these conversations have been going on 
um, on the floor of the exhibit hall uh, for a number of years. And that's where so many of us have the opportunity um, to spend time together at general assemblies because, um, you know, we're, our groups are spread across, uh, spread across the country. And so some of these ideas have been percolating, um, but really, I think that there's been so um, much more intentional movement in the past five years, uh, past three years even, um, about being intersectional and about really making sure that voices are heard and that as we are creating the table for this discussion, we're looking and saying, who is not here and who else should be here and not trying to plug them in at the last minute. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge that um, DRUM um, has participated in um, some of the meetings from the beginning as well. And, you know, every organization has to kind of balance how much time and energy they have um, to put into it. Um, and thankfully, we've had fearless leaders um, like Kurt, who's kind of kept the whole vessel together so that, you know, the different organizations can, can be involved and can participate in a way that's meaningful and realistic for their organization. Um, but that it was done very intentionally of each time wanting to say, you know, wanting to look at, is there someone who's not here who should be here? Are there voices that we haven't heard from yet? And have we created the space so that the voices are saying what they need to say? And again, I think that this, you know, could be and should be um, one of the models for collaboration of saying, you know, from the beginning, let's do this um, so that we're not so that we're not doing harm and so that we're not causing hurt. Um, having been involved in, you know, in general assemblies since 2010, I think was my first one uh, in Minneapolis. Um, this is the first time I've seen this level of collaboration. Um, it certainly may have happened and I didn't know about it, um, but it's the first time that immigration um, has been intentionally um, included in on this and so the first time you rise has been intentionally included in and we're really excited about what that means not only for the investing that the UUA is going to be doing but for what that means of how we work together um, and how these groups can come together in the future um, because I think we all felt that there was a value added by every group. I'm curious both Paige and Katya have alluded to best practices in collaboration and if there are models that, if there are places that, that know this well, that you look to for, for wisdom, or if it, this is a, an improv experiment, and also if there are other uh, religious groups who are doing this kind of um, holistic human rights investment work that are, that are good models. I could reply briefly to the last question, then let uh, Katya and uh, <clears throat> Paige respond to the first part. Yes, uh, the Methodists, uh, their pension fund has developed a human rights screen for their investments that is broad-based uh, uh, human rights. And uh, I believe that the Episcopal uh, Church has, all, has followed their lead in doing that. So there are other denominations that have uh, affirmed the need for a, a, a broad-based uh, human rights screening of investments. Yeah. I'd have to question if the Methodists were including GLBT people in their <laughs> screens, but yeah. yeah Thank yeah. you. That's it. 
Well, I'm happy to uplift. Um, I, I really actually want to uplift like youth organizing and student organizing in particular um, to to be a model around um, all different sorts of of um, divestment initiatives and also like provides a model of collaboration that I think that we could all learn from. Um, I went to UT, a public university for for under or for graduate school, and um, you know I think that the the lessons learned that I think are are applied here and that can continue to be applied like in 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 a setting like this is especially when you're working with there's no budget, folks are really busy. Um, you're trying to like bring bring on i mean this is this is like a, a battleground of like so many things and so this 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 notion of being able to to come together to build relationships to figure out what a coalition looks like um and navigating um like some real david and goliath type of dynamics particularly when you're talking about um investment from a public institution standpoint um universities are really laying laying some amazing groundwork on that and showing resilience um in ways that i i haven't seen in a lot of spaces so shout out to the methodists and also shout out to you know the 18 to 25 year old people who are um who i think are just kind of learning learning as they're as they're doing it and also paying close attention to to history and, and what has worked so yeah i think um i i yeah i definitely agree about the the youth-led movement and young adult-led movement in in shareholder investing has been um huge in the past you know three to five years, we've just seen the the ways that they've been able to move, particularly university uh, investments is, has been really large. And I think that links to something that I heard Mac, Mac say earlier about, you know, that this is our, our money and, and we have a responsibility to be using it in ways that, um, that, that meet our values and, and that, um, and, and I think particularly, you know, when I think about the UUA Common Endowment Fund and I think about the ways that that fund was built and the, the backs of people who um, a lot of that money has come from um, and the, the colonized way in which endowments were built in Unitarian and Universalist and Unitarian Universalist congregations, um, you know, until we have that conversation, like about where that money really came from, um, I think at the least we can do is have this conversation about how we are using those funds. Um, so I, I really appreciate back you, you highlighting, you know, how we're trying to bring that um, that that value lens um, to to our investments. Michael Tino, did you have anything? I I didn't want to cut you out. No, it's all right. Um, I did notice that there are uh, some online comments that that probably we should bring in. Um, someone asked if this uh, video would be available later to show to the finance committee at their congregation, and the answer is yes. 
Um, all of our view episodes are available um, on, I believe on YouTube. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong with that, especially now that we're broadcasting on it. And, um, and, and Lori uh, from Behind the Chalice wonders, how would you respond to folks who are wondering if the corporations are just too big and no amount of divestment or boycotting will make a difference. Are there success stories we can use to change people inclined toward apathy? Um, so I'm wondering if you all know of success stories, especially with uh, boycotting and divestment. Certainly we know that uh, UUA shareholder activism has uh, made some really dramatic changes in large corporations in the United States. The UUA was, uh, with our common endowment fund shareholder activism led the way to uh, really amazing corporate policies toward LGBT people at Home Depot, for example. That's one particular uh, and place where we were successful. And Verizon, Verizon also. And I know that we've been at Walmart meetings. I don't know if we've had success. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we keep trying and that's good, right? Um, but so certainly the shareholder activism we have specific uh stories of success and maybe you know maybe tim will come on and talk about that in, in the future but i'm wondering if you all know of uh, of stories where uh divestment and boycotting has actually changed um corporate practices or led to uh changes in social uh situations for people well, I would uh, certainly, I think the great example is the South African uh, end of apartheid that when it became an economic price for these corporations to continue their support for the South African apartheid government, they they cut relations. And that was a, a big factor, I think, in in uh, end of uh, apartheid. Uh, the great boycott, I think, raised to consciousness and to a degree wages among farm workers to a, was very successful. The uh, Tamakali uh, uh, tomato farmers in, uh, in Florida benefited from boycotts. Uh, probably, I think there are many examples of where this has uh, raised consciousness and even had real specific results. Oh. Yeah, the tomato workers got, what, Chipotle and Wendy's and some really major fast food joints to change their behavior, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, McDonald's and Burger King, too, I think, because it was about, about what they were paying for tomatoes that was were going into their ketchup um, and how that how that amount that they were paying did or did not translate to wages in the field. Um, so yeah, so that's, a, that's a success right here in the United States. I mean, not I mean, farm workers are still mistreated in the United States. <laughs> so let's just be real. Uh, um, but you know, they're, they're slightly less mistreated than they used to be. Um, so I, I wanted to bring in the online questions, Christine. Yeah. Also, somebody asked online if we still need signatures and I wondered, what what is the uh, where is that the signature gathering? Yeah, we we're close to. Uh, I think we're past the absolute minimum that we need, which is uh, ten uh, signatures from each of twenty five different congregations, uh, all certified as members of those congregations. But 
we're still continuing to gather signatures. It's a very good, as, as uh, Paige mentioned, it's an educational tool to tell people about this resolution and get them uh, and the issues issue of the resolution. <clears throat> and uh, by getting more signatures than the absolute minimum, we show that there's a, a, a momentum for this and an interest in this uh, resolution. We got, we would have liked to have started gathering signatures the end of October, but we kind of had wanted to wait until we had a confirmation by the investment committees that they supported this. And that didn't come until toward the end of December. So we've only had uh, the end of December and January to gather signatures. Uh, so we won't have as many as we might have liked to have had, but I think we're on our, well on our way to having enough. But anybody that would like to uh, gather signatures at their uh, congregation. They're wonderful. Uh, we have information about that on the UUJME uh, Facebook page. They can write to me, kurt.c.bell at gmail.com to uh, get the uh, necessary forms and information. So great if somebody would like to gather signatures in their congregation. We're very enthusiastic about that. Yeah, and I think it really says something um, that waiting for those that that um, endorsement by the investment committees and then being able to get those signatures in the short amount of time i think that there's some correlation between um how well um collaborative this this effort has been and the fact that you're already you know past that mark um i think certainly when i was looking at it um you know as soon as i got in there and looked at all of the groups um, that had, um, you know, endorsed it and that you had intentionally made um, uh, made a, a way for everybody to have a voice at the table really said a lot to me. Um, so I think that, um, and, and particularly the investment groups, because um, so often we forget that there's like real human beings in those investment groups volunteering their time an effort and and they are some of the, the unsung heroes you know they don't get a lot of board time play or um i i think people will be hard-pressed to even name one person that they may know I'd, I'd, I'd like to give a big shout out to kathy mulvey the chair of the socially responsible investment committee here she's she's been with us on these conversations we've had over the last year and a half she's been very uh, conscientious and helpful in both communicating with us and with her colleagues on the other, uh, on the investment committees. And there I was, an oh, sorry, Katja, go ahead. I just wanted to go do a, a quick clarification that Wendy's is actually the holdout um, on the tomatoes and the Immokalee workers. Um, so McDonald's, Subway, Burger King, Taco Bell, have signed on, but Wendy's is the only one that hasn't. So there's still an active call for boycott against Wendy's. Um, and Lori, I just sent you the um, the link in case anyone would like to um, express their outrage to Wendy's. Uh, the Coalition of Immokalee Workers makes it really easy. So some folks online had asked about how signatures work at CLF. So Meg, I'm wondering if you have an opinion on that if you are, if those of us, I'm a member of CLF, mm -hmm. if I want yeah. to uh, to sign on to this and have sure. my my yeah. signature certified as a member of CLF, how might that work? Those of us who are scattered all over the Well, 
excitingly, somebody online volunteered to gather them. So I want to thank Darby for that. And um, I think the way it would happen would be the way it would happen in any congregation, except you do it remotely instead of standing in coffee hour. But we would check and make sure that you were members and, and we could, I think, probably pretty easily get 25 signatures uh, from CLF members. I just, I wonder if, like, if the UUA will accept remote signatures. Do we have any idea? I mean, if I email Darby and say, sign me up. I guess, I don't know. We, I'll fight with them if oh. they won't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're a congregation. Okay, that's, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Great. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Thank you, Darby. And we've gathered signatures before for other things, but yeah, you never know. They're, you know, they're working it out. They're, they're, they're really trying to make uh, things more accessible UUA, so good for them. One thing I'd like to mention is that beside doing this work, making companies behave, which they won't, it's important for us to live out our values, even if it doesn't affect these companies. It's important for our EU people to realize that we are working together, meaning the UA and the social justice groups, to come to a commonality of how to deal with this, the intersectionalities here, and how we're moving forward. Because a lot of people think General Assembly is a mystery. What are they doing up there? What are they doing up in Boston? And I think it's important to recognize that we are actually living out our values by saying, okay, we don't want to invest in this company. It's not gonna bother them whether we do or not, but it bothers me. And I think it's important for people to understand that. Thanks, Mac. Yeah, I was just noticing, oh, sorry, Michael, that the, you know, the Jane Fonda-led Friday things right now, we're really focused on Chase Bank last week. People were getting arrested at Chase Bank, which uh, Paige mentioned the pipelines and Paige, uh, Chase Bank was another huge funder of pipelines. And so the, you know, the intersectionality, the corporations do intersectionality really well. They oppress on everybody. So it makes a lot of sense for us to respond in kind. But I was, I was delighted to see them at a corporation because I, I, there's some point I know when I used to help, um, listen in really on the Holding India work that the activists there who are amazing activists, the Indian activists funded by the Holdeen program of the UUA, um, were saying, what do you do at the point at which actually it's not elected officials anymore, it's corporations that are running the country. And uh, we don't admit that here, that we live in a plutocracy and that corporations really in so many ways are running all of the politicians of both parties. Um, but you know, to me, this is, uh, a key way to act for democracy as small as we might feel doing it and to celebrate the victories of our colleagues who who have impact totally and i and i think like with that um like taking taking like the the, the work around the around the pipelines and it I think divestment and boycott can also lead to conversations and around alternatives right so 
I know a lot of folks had no idea, like, I can bank it, I could have my money in something besides like the, the three or five banks that I, that I hear commercials for and that everybody else is banking at. Like these are like, there are so many ways that, that, that the impacts of these types of movements um, ripple across the country and around the world, regardless of whatever type of economic impact that it might have on the corporation or, or lack thereof. So that's like the other exciting part about all this is to go for like for 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 this initiative. So if we're if we are divesting from these companies, what are some companies that we can invest in that traditionally may not get as many investment opportunities? So there there it creates an opening for us to continue to think outside of the box and to support companies and organizations that are um, that are underfunded or under-resourced. And I was going to say, I think, you know, I think Christina mentioned this at the top of the hour, but when the hosts of The View are, talk about topics, you know, when this topic came up, the thing that really excited us was the way that all of these groups were working together. And so, Mac, you say it's important that we live our values. And I think part of living our values is that our investment people are in active conversation with Blue and with Drum and with uh, a coalition of justice organizations, a broad coalition of justice organizations like UU Rise and the Peace Network and JME and Ministry for the Earth is also involved in this. I mean, this is a broad coalition of justice organizations and also, um, people of color organizations in Unitarian Universalism. And so the fact that I think it's important for us to live the conversations in our investment, like it's living our values in the conversations with our investment people about how we do this work. Um, because I think that can be a model <laughs> for how we do other work. <laughs> too and like what the next filter that gets put on our investment is because we always we come up with new ones and that's fine because it's you know it's good so i, I might mention a couple specific things <clears throat> the uh, uua has about two percent of it. the uu common endowment fund invests about two two to three percent of its uh, money in community investing which means that they provide monies to groups that would not get investments, would not get uh, loans from traditional sources, but nevertheless are reliable, healthy places to put money. Uh, 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 banks in uh, marginal communities, uh, sustainability projects of one kind or another. And I think what would be very clear to me is that the UU justice groups would have a much better idea of what communities might be deserving of such uh, financial aid from the UUA than would people who are on the investment committees who by and large are on financial boards of financial organizations and are not in touch with the different communities that might benefit from, from uh, help by the uh, and investments from the UU Common Endowment Fund. So that's just the specific way in which I think communication in both directions could be very helpful. 
Well, we are at the top of our hour. I want to thank so much Paige and Katya and Mac and Kurt for coming on and telling us more about this. We look forward to the discussion uh, at General Assembly about this business resolution. I think um, it is going to be um, just a different way of being and living out our values. And I think uh, we're going to see that um, on the GA floor. So thank you all so much. This has been an episode of The View. If you would like to learn more about the CLF, visit questformeaning.org.